1: Hello and welcome back to the Marseille View, I'm your host Stefan, and tonight we're bringing you a busy episode catching up on all the latest OM fixtures. For tonight's show we'll be mainly covering last night's victory over Monaco, We'll also look at the Maccato and the latest signing, in Arit, and we'll have a guest joining us to do this. So we're also going to look to cover recent fixtures against Saint Etienne, the sanctions the club received following the events at Nice, and finally we'll preview our Europa League campaign. Now we've got a, a bit of a new lineup tonight, so. Supposedly, supposedly, Ben was going to be joining us, but he's uh, unable to make it. I think he's stuck in traffic somewhere, so hope, hope you're all right, Ben, and, and we'll catch you next time. Um, but we've got Lewis. How are you, Lewis? Hey, hey, hey. Sorry, my mic was uh, muted. How is everybody? Great, great to have you back, mate. Um, and finally, we've got a new recruit completing the trio, so we've got Alex. Hello, Alex, how are you?
2: I'm good, I'm good. Hi, everyone.
1: Thank you. Alex, just because it's your first time, do you want to just introduce yourself to the podcast? Tell us who yeah. you are.
2: Yeah, sure, sure. So, um, first, I'm i I'm French and I was born only 10 minutes from the uh, Saint-Germain. So, uh Things could have been very different in terms of my uh, football allegiance, (laughs) but then uh, I moved to Marseille when I was four years old. And, you know, once you move in Marseille, you know, when when you're young there and started to follow football at the time where Loem was at its peak. So um, I've been hooked since then. so, yeah, been more than 30 years. I'm following the club. Um, first year, you know, I ended up with a Benfica uh, Vata hand. So you remember that, you know, forever. And uh, I've been season ticket holder for more than, than 10 years as well. And yeah, just following pretty much every
1: game. So here you go. Okay, brilliant. No, so it's so really good to to have you on, and um, especially someone from Marseille. You know, um, interestingly, like quite a few of the group o- over the years on the podcast, it seems to be from Paris. So it's just interesting how many OM fans there are that are, you know, are, are from Paris in some sort of way. So um, I guess that's. Always good to hear for us as well, isn't it? It's a little kind of um, kick in the teeth to, to our rivals, because um, <laughs> we're a better club. Um, yeah, so um, anyway, so we've got a lot to cover, um, so it's probably time to get cracking. So we'll start off with the Mercato and our new signing, Amin Arit. I'm sorry, my pronunciation, his name is probably terrible. Um, it's Arit, I think, isn't it? Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, so, join us to discuss our eat. Uh, we've got a guest from a Schalke fan podcast, so it's Schalke America. Um, Jack, hello, how are you? Hey, good evening, good to be with you. I'm doing well. So, we really appreciate you joining us and coming to tell us a bit more about this player. So, um, it's going to be really good to, to hear from you because I think for us, we've not. We're familiar with him maybe a few years ago when he was a young player in in France but that's a long time ago now so um, yeah we're really kind of looking forward to hearing a bit more about how he's getting on recently so um, just before we do that though do you want to just tell us a bit about your podcast about what you're doing like who, who are you guys so our listeners can check you out if they're interested.
0: Yeah, yeah, so, sure. So uh, I am one half of the Schalke America podcast. My counterpart and uh, host is Richard Carmen. Uh, we've been doing this for, I don't know, maybe four seasons or so. By now they all kind of bleed together uh, after a while. But yeah, essentially a, a weekly Shalco podcast during the season, uh, recapping fixtures, talking about news on and off the pitch. Uh, we usually live stream our our podcast recording uh, on YouTube uh, every every Monday evening stateside, um, and uh, but you can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, you know, pretty much anywhere you would get uh your podcast and yeah just sort of the uh english language coverage of shalke because there's not too much of that out there and then you get the uh the american perspective as well from across the pond so certainly not uh on the ground in the community over there but um you know still try to follow it as much as possible and everything with uh (laughs) some of the restricted uh broadcast rights now that they're in the spite of bundesliga unfortunately
1: Mm, yeah I, I did check you guys out actually and i had a listen so i was watching you on youtube more, more so um it did give me some ideas some inspiration so yeah it's really it's good to see some some other fan content okay so what we're going to do is we'll i think because we've not got too much time we'll, we'll ask you each ask you a question um so we'll, we'll go around the group and um who wants to go first guys uh who, who wants to volunteer
3: I'd I'd love to just because I might I might forget my question. Um,
1: Fire away. If yeah, if if I may.
3: Um, so I I think we all kind of know that Schalke's last last season was was a difficult one for you guys. Um, and I wanted to know from a from a Amin Harit perspective is is was he part of the problem? Was he? I mean, obviously everybody was part of the problem, but was he? Um, did his did his level of play? kind of directly correlate to how badly the season went or was he better among,
0: you know, kind of worse players? Yes, you know, it's difficult. What I would say is sort of the entire season or really the last couple seasons have sort of been like a chicken or the egg situation. Is it, you know, is it the players that aren't performing enough or is it that they're sort of overwhelmed by the general incompetency of the situation kind of around the club that makes it difficult for them to execute on the level that they'd probably like to. Um, as for Harit, I mean, I would say last season specifically, there were there were points in time where he was still very much one of our best players, especially kind of think later in the season, uh, maybe midway through the end of the season, uh, he was pretty influential in, in uh, some of the the very few goals that we managed to score that season. So certainly still kind of playing that creative role. But what I would say about him is uh, he uh, sometimes when you have a star player or, you know, a really talented player, you, you kind of hope that they can be the, the, the person or the presence that you can look to when things aren't going well for them to kind of pick up the team and, and kind of rise above it. Um, and, and spur everyone on uh, to better performances and, and he seems to be somebody who, who much more um, is, is affected by what's going on around him so you know so as the team goes kind of so goes Harit's performances I would say um, so you know obviously shalk has had a couple of really difficult seasons and there were you know periods of time where um, it definitely looked like he was going through the motions it was very much affected by everything that was going else around uh, going on around him and, and maybe not um, you know, putting in the standout performances as consistently as you would expect for somebody of his talent level.
1: Okay, great. Alex, have you got anything you want to ask?
2: Yeah, maybe a bit of a broader question about you know his description of his of his skills um, and his positioning on, on the pitch for Shark. I think you play in a lot of different places. So just a description of your of the player, if if you could, mate.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, I think he, he predominantly plays in sort of like a central attacking midfield role. Uh, he can play on the wing uh, as well. I, I personally prefer him centrally, just because uh, far and away his his best attribute is is his technical ability uh, on the dribble. And so I think he's very useful to have uh, centrally in terms of uh, you know ball progression and stuff. He's a guy that can take a defender on, um, you know, uh, force a defender into decision and open things up for his teammates elsewhere. And I think if you you know if you stick him out on the wing, sometimes you, you're you're taking that away a little bit because the team generally has to progress the ball. A little bit further before it can actually find him at his feet. So, um, yeah, but he's, you know, very shifty, quick, twitchy attacking midfield type. Um, maybe not the most consistent or the best in terms of like ball striking or like really, really long through balls or anything, but really good with kind of quick one touch pass and move type situations and a phenomenal dribble. Uh, draws a lot of fouls, which is great for, you know, free kick opportunities and stuff around the box. I think um, his first season, actually, I think he was the most fouled player in the Bundesliga. Um, and that was a season where Schalke, I want to say, had, you know, over 10 set piece goals or something, too. And he contributed to setting a lot of those up. So um, certainly a player that can help, even if he's not maybe like directly scoring goals or assisting, um, can put you in advantageous positions uh, going forward. And I would say at at his very best, when he's when he's playing consistently, when he's turned on, he he's an X factor. He's a guy that can change a game. He's got that little bit of magic that I think is is kind of the thing that we all show up. To you know, the stadium, or you know, when we turn it on TV, that we're hoping to catch a glimpse of every week, and he's one of those guys that can tap into that on occasion. I think uh, just a lot of Schalke fans would have would have wished it would have happened a little bit more frequently and a little bit more consistently.
1: Okay, no, thank you. That's really good. Okay, so my turn. Um, I kind of maybe sort of alluded to this a little bit, but I just kind of want a bit more um, of an idea about how Schalke fans feel about his departure um, because I understand he's come to Marseille on loan without an option to buy. So are people happy that he's gone or not? Are they expecting him to come back a better player, um, you know, returning to Schalke and and slotting back into the side um, after a a fresh start somewhere? What what are their feelings about
0: it? You know, I think... I think generally he's viewed very favorably and people root for him and like him. And I mean, whenever you have a player that can come up with some of the huge moments that he's produced um, it's obviously difficult for the supporter base to not, you know, fall in love with the, with the player to some extent. Uh, yeah. But he had a really interesting ride at Chuck, a lot of ups, a lot of downs, some, some issues personally off the field in terms of like professionalism and some other tragedies that have gone on that have definitely affected um, his play, but his situation this summer in terms of the departure was, was kind of, Interesting because the, the club was in such dire financial straits that we very much expected um, to be selling on a permanent basis in terms, of you know, trying to get transfer dollars in some of our more high profile players. We saw, you know, Weston McKennie leave to Juventus the season before well, we fully expected that, you know, we would be able to sell those on Kabak, for example. And Amin Harit was another one of those guys that we kind of thought was going to be a no brainer out the door, automatic permanent transfer. Um, and and for whatever reason, it didn't really happen that way I, with with Kalback or Harid, honestly. Um, and so we were kind of waiting all window for there to be a move. And I don't know if it's you know teams have concerns about those inconsistencies or some of those issues in the past. Because he certainly has the talent to to warrant a, you know a significant um, fee, and for I think a lot of teams to be interested in having a player like him. So the fact that he went ultimately on loan without an option to buy is is interesting. I think. Um, there would be a lot of Schalke supporters that if, if for some reason he came back to the club, let's say, for example, we were able to bounce right back up, get promotion, and we're playing in the Bundesliga again, um, maybe there's a situation in which he would just come back to the team and slot right back in. Um, but I think it's probably more likely that you know we're, we're, we're putting him on a team like Marseille to kind of put him in the shop window get him some more high level experience put him in a more stable situation Um, you know because a player like that doesn't need to be in the spider Bundesliga I mean that's a Champions League level player in my opinion Um, and so you know hopefully he's able to kind of get back in his groove and then um, you know when he returns maybe his his value in the market um, hasn't significantly improved you know over where it would have been uh, this past window if we had sold him this summer
1: okay yeah no that's great thank you very much I'm just looking at time. If if it's if it's okay with you, Jack, can we squeeze in a cheeky one last question. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> anyone want to fight away? Who who wants to ask the final question for Jack? If you've got one. If you don't, we we can wrap it up. But.
2: Yeah, just a very quick question in terms of his his effort on the pitch and especially, you know, in terms of defensive effort and, and press because a lot of the offensive midfielders, you know, they, they don't always work that hard for the team and, and some probably will ask that at Marseille. So just wondering if you had a bit of a view on this.
0: Yeah, once again, I mean, I think it, there are definitely times where he doesn't seem to be bought into the team concept and is kind of going through the motions at, at times on the pitch. And that's usually when things aren't going as well on, from, you know, from a whole team standpoint, not necessarily individually. Um, but I think if he's, you know, at a team like Marseille, that, that's obviously very talented, playing at a high level um and you know more stable than things have been um you know as long as he's he's playing well and he feels comfortable with his environment and he has the kind of encouragement that he needs um then yeah he absolutely does buy in he can contribute um not just on the ball but off the ball in terms of you know coordinating pressing with his teammates on the defensive end and um I mean yeah he's certainly capable of putting in a shift in that regard and and, I mean there's certainly games you can look back to um even last season you know when, when when we were basically guaranteed to get relegated things weren't going well and he was putting an effort in um off the ball so it, it kind of depends it's just that yeah i think the theme that i've been i guess trying to express is just the consistency is a little bit of an issue but um it, it's hard to know how much to hold that against the player versus um you know the environment that he was trying to perform in uh, and so i think you know there's a lot of Schalke supporters will be watching his performances with marseille with you know with a very keen eye to see um how that change of environment affects him this season
1: yeah no that's great I mean we got, we got to see him actually last night he made his debut and he was pretty impressive but but yeah I think we we kind of had what you're saying is kind of what I, I think some of us had read about him actually it's sort of yeah it's kind of sort of we're, we're getting an idea I think about what we're expecting as a player that's got quality but you know there's issues maybe with consistency and, and maybe attitude I don't know but um, yeah we'll see I guess um, I think we'll get to see probably some nice football from him and, he, him and hopefully like he can contribute where, where he gets the opportunities but uh, it's not really you know I'll just like just to sort of wrap this up I'll just say that you know the kind of position he plays that these are qualities that we often hear about a lot so I, I think I don't want to be too hard on him Um, I think that we can see he's got lots of talent and yeah and some of these players in these positions don't always you know those kind of number tens you know without that kind of supreme technical technique they don't they're not always famous for tracking back and working hard and stuff so i guess it's kind of expected i mean dimitri Payet isn't exactly the best at doing that is he at times but they've got something else that they bring to the game so hopefully we'll get to see plenty of that from Are- as the as the season progresses and and hopefully he can sort of fill the shoes of Payet really when he's not available and maybe take over from him but um Thanks very much, though, again, just for joining us like, and, and for giving us that insight. Um, it's really appreciated, and just be sure that if you ever sign any OM players, we'll be happy to return the favour in the future. We'll happy to join you guys if you ever need us. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much, Jack.
0: No, it's a pleasure speaking with you, and, yeah, obviously a lot of Shockers supporters will be watching Marseille to keep an eye on him, and then obviously as an American as well. Uh, Conrad De La Fuente. Uh, ah. So, we'll be, yeah, there's, I have multiple reasons to be keeping tabs on, on your team this season. So uh, best of luck to you guys as well. All
1: right. Thank you very much. So uh, moving on. Um, oh, actually, guys, just before we move on, have, any thoughts on that? Does um, that kind of uh, fill you with confidence uh, or, or not?
3: <laughs> God, he is, I mean, first of all, he is very good at podcasting yeah um, yeah i could yeah. have i could have listened to that all day um he's he's a day, lot in there <laughs> oh god yeah he's 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 very good um i think it's it must be an american thing they're very good at like, quickly kind of giving their points and stuff uh no i i think it's encouraging i think less so from what he was saying but more so from just watching him last night um watching harit last night not jack but um I just, I, I, it's kind of the, the player I expect. You know, he was he got the most completed dribbles in the, in the Bundesliga last season. Um, he will switch off for five games and not do anything. He'll, I mean, it's, it's kind of expected, and at the point we're at now as a team, I think I can't complain. If it was just him, if it was, if he was in the situation that Payet was in in the last two seasons, whereby he became the only creative output I mean, attacking-wise, in our team, then I'd be worried. But both of them together, I think it's gonna. I, I mean, I I love that kind of, of of a player. Um, and I think that as long as he's not alone, as long as Payet doesn't pick up a eight-month injury, knock on wood. Um, then I can I, I can I only think he'll bring positives, um, to the team.
1: You can not have both him and Payet together. You know, no no one's gonna do any hard work, I don't know that seems like a recipe for disaster if you ask me, but yeah, you never know I mean teams like Barcelona and stuff survive with players, well maybe not Barcelona, that's maybe not a great example, but you know like I don't know, Paris maybe, yeah lots of teams survive with great attacking players in it that don't um, don't really pull their weight defensively. Yeah,
3: but. I, I meant more, you know, either or so if, if, if we need a number 10, a false 9 or a, a, a whatever is needed I was saying that I, I like that he's it's not our season doesn't depend on Amin Harit's um, creativity, as was my point. And, and, and,
2: and, and the, 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 beauty, the, the beauty of our, of our squad is what we'll be able to uh, put a lot of pressure on him as well. I mean, there's so much competition. Um, that everybody will have to be ready and you know these guys he's, he's played number 10 but I think he was also just one level below in, in the midfield and in Bundesliga you have to press hard and you have to work hard so uh, I think in the right atmosphere and with some power as a coach I think he can put a lot of pressure and make sure that you the, the guys switch on, on um, if he wants to play basically.
1: Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Well, that, that's what we hope happens, isn't it? Okay, so we'd better move on. Um, so a couple of quick-ish topics to cover. So I said we'd briefly cover the OM Centertain game just because it was the other game that happened since we last recorded. So that was a couple of weeks ago now. It was before the international break. Um, we won't say too much about it, but it was a solid 3-1 victory, wasn't it? It was. Uh, I think we saw goals from... Gersong, Gendouzi and Unza, but it was of good performance. Um, guys, do you have any thoughts on that game that you wish to share about the center Tien game?
2: Yeah, for me, first thing I'd like to start is, um, um, you know, we had some problem in, in the past few games where Luan Perez couldn't defend, um, you know, all part of the field, pretty much a quarter of the field because there was nobody around him and he was where... Bordeaux and Montpellier attacked, and that's what Saint-Étienne tried to do. And what was really interesting in the games against Saint-Étienne is that we we put Gendouzi there, so it was like a midfield of Gendouzi, Camara and Rangier. So we had someone to protect Luan, and I think that that helped to stabilise the team uh, a lot better. And, you know, see, against St. Etienne, they really tried to attack on that side because they put Buanga first, which is their best winger. And then they put in the second half someone extremely fast, which is Nourdan, to try to get onto Luan. But because you had Genduzi around there, it kind of protect that weakness, which I thought was, was very interesting.
3: Yeah, and and usually Buanga and and Naldan, more so Buanga. Even when he was with um, with Nim, he's the kind of player that just destroys us or has destroyed us in the last three years. And I mean, I thought he he was uh, yeah. I think I think he was completely shut down in a way that I haven't seen um, in the last in the last three seasons.
2: Yeah, and and when you think of, of Saint Etienne, they they purposely switch him to the side of Luan Perez, which which wasn't his side because. Buonga is more on the left side, so they, they really try to go into Luan Perez, but this time, it, because I kind of switched from Sampaoli, we, we were a lot more, uh, you know, a lot better balanced, I would say.
1: Yeah, I, I just, I'd say from my sort of thoughts in the game was that um, I kind of felt that the this was a game maybe where we're starting to see some things sort of click together. Um, especially with the new arrivals, you know, so some players just kind of, like Gerson, for example, had a really solid game um, and he's starting to look more comfortable because there was, I guess, some doubts before about whether or not his role was right in the team, he was in the right position and stuff, and he just starting to look like he's finding himself. Um, Maybe it was just perfectly timed because the international break was coming up, but, um, yeah, I was just, I was thinking there was some really solid individual performances and those doing really well. Um, and this was a game that, um, yeah, we're just starting to see those some of the new recruits and then settle into this system. So kind of probably, I would say so far, it was probably the best, um, the most solid game we'd played at that point. Um, yeah, so that was kind of my thoughts on it. But, um, but yeah, um, I don't think there's really much more to say on that because we've got the the game in Monaco, and, um, to cover for for the most part, but before we do that, um, so I just wanted to talk about something else that happened after the Santa Tien game, so, you know, the last podcast we covered the Nice game, we talked a lot about all the incidents, so the I think in the last week we've learned the LFP's decision for the sanctions, um, after all the incidents that took place, so I'm not going into any detail about the actual incidents, because as I said, we covered this that stuff in depth in the last episode so you can if you missed it go back and listen to it um and we, we talk about what ha- or try to make sense of what was happening on our screens whether uh, whether it's that like, capable to really break it down that well because it was just pandemonium but I'll just read out what the sanctions were or the ma- the key ones because I might have, I might miss one or two little things from nice but um you can and then you guys just give your view on them so just see, firstly uh the games to be replayed at a neutral ground without fans. I don't know when the date is. I don't know if if that's been decided, guys, so do do let me know if that's the case. But um but yeah the game's to be replayed on neutral grounds uh without fans and we saw a two-match ban for Alvaro for his involvement in the incidents a one-match ban for Dimitri Payet um because of his actions throwing the bottle back into the crowd um, and then the physio for Marcy, Pablo Fernandez, is suspended until the thirtieth of June, twenty twenty two. So he seems like the one who's really been had the book thrown at him, and, and that's because he was basically fighting, wasn't he? Um, so yeah, he's he's the one that's really been punished. Yeah, and uh, there's a, li- a the cynic in me thinks that he's been punished. I know, he, I know he went a bit crazy but the cynic makes me think that he's been punished because he's the weakest person politically in all this I, I don't know it's just my feeling I just, it, it just seems disproportionate for me compared to some of the other like um, decisions um, are docked two points I think what this is complicated though so I maybe didn't fully understand this but I understand that they've been docked two points that's in addition to the game being scrapped three points and they're getting a suspended point Um, I'm not quite yeah as I said I'm not fully sure I totally understand that sanction so maybe you guys so they've been
3: docked yeah sorry go for it go for it no that's
1: pretty much it that's really all I've got to be honest so and I think they've got to play some games behind closed doors I I read three but then I'm not sure if that's correct so um, again you guys can correct me and and tell me tell me what if I've missed anything but yeah just yeah the floor's yours what do you guys think And, and, and is it a fair outcome or have we been shafted
2: yeah, I mean, first, I mean the the fines, nice, the points deducted. So it's uh, one is you know is set, and one is surci. I'm not sure if it's the word in English. So it means if there's some more problem with their stadium, then there would be a second point that that, that they would lose. Um, but currently, I'm 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 just uh, a, a bit disappointed by by the overall decision because at the end of the day, if Nice are able to beat us, overall they would only have lost one point, which I think is. Um, it's not really right in terms of you know how much of a show it was uh for french football and um i'm I'm just disappointed by the decision you know if we, if we the you know key of this is is the the, the prefet who forced the l f p to continue to 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 play the game and because of that technicality they didn't really want to give us the three nil which which we, which we should have
3: had uh, uh, yeah I don't know from, yeah, from, from a, uh, I tried, this is one of those things that I, this is what happens when I, when I speak English about Marseille, The, the French Marseille supporter in me thinks exactly what Alex just said, which is this is an absolute travesty and we should be giving the three points and ban all the Nice fans and whatever. But from a, I think if we take a step back, um, and we, and we, try to dissociate in a way the the sports from the from the fans the players and the fans i think if i were nice i would have felt and i mean cheated beyond belief um if if my team who i mean they outplayed us for that game uh lest we forget that was definitely our worst game so far and they were leading one nil in the 75th minute now granted some pauli time we all know we score a lot of goals in the last 15 minutes, but we weren't looking good. Right. So from a a sports perspective and for a nice supporters perspective in general, and not the, you know, not the idiots, the, the, the hooligans. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I would have felt really, really, um, I think it would have been just a harsh, very, very harsh decision. Um, had, had we just been given the three nil victory. Um, that being said, I think one is not enough. I think the two should have been at least uh, a two points taken off um, would have been would have been the correct amount. And and I was expecting, I guess, a bit more. I, I just seem to see some nice players also getting involved in in the fights and the fact that Alvaro and Payet are the two the only players who've who've actually suffered a suspension. Um, I find a bit bizarre you know in these cases there's always something going on there's always a camera that's going to pick up someone else you know fighting and and I just thought that Payet being singled out or Alvaro as well um, being singled out I thought was uh, I thought was strange um, but I think overall as a if I'm being objective for a second I think it's not a bad outcome really um, as from a Marseille perspective I still think you know it should have been worse for for Nice, not for us.
1: I do hear what you're saying. Um, I do. I, I I I agree in that it's probably. It's. I think getting the the three 0 victory. I think would probably have been too good to be true. I I didn't really believe it could. It could ever have happened. Even if I didn't, you know, buy into the kind of anti um conspiracy stuff that everyone always talks... You know, in France, I was talking about how we're so hard done by in, in France. Um, but, but, yeah, even if I didn't know anything about the, the history, I'd still think the you would, know would have been unrealistic. And, and yeah, so I, I think... The replay of the game was probably about as good yeah, as we were ever going to get.
3: Yeah. And do we want? Do we want to win three nil on a on a? I mean, of course we 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 say. Of course we, of course we do. We do. <laughs> of course we do. No, I, of course. No, you're right. Of course we do. But do we really? I don't know. I I would have felt I would have felt a bit awkward about that whole thing. I think I'm am a, a peace of mind with the game being replayed. I think you anyway, if they beat us again, then you employ a a, a basketball term, which is the ball don't lie um the, the the ball does not lie in these situations if they come back and, and beat us again then you know it is what it is we will have lost basically twice and only suffered a, a you know uh one loss out of out of two potential losses um if we go back and, and beat them then I mean then we'll I'll be thrilled that means we'll have basically it'll be a plus four differential between us on the season because of their point docked so
1: Lewis, we were going to win 3-1 anyway if the game had continued, so come on. Um, yeah, right, this is so, true, this is yeah. true, of course. Yeah. Right, so we better move on, right, because we haven't even gotten to Monaco yet. So so yeah, right, so the reason why we're here mainly is to talk about last night's fixture. So we played Monaco away from home and we came away with a, a pretty great 2-0 two, uh, victory. At least on paper anyway. So this is Monaco. So this is one of the biggest clubs in France. They keep the they finished in the podium last season. But let's be real, they, they're not in a good way right now. So but either way, we came away with a really solid performance. Um 2-0, two, two goals from Bamba Dieng, who had a superb performance. a uh, really, really impressive performance from Dieng, And but but yeah, just all around the whole team. It was a really, really great game, wasn't it, from, from an OM perspective? It's one of the most impressive games we've seen from the, the team for a long time. Um, I'll let you guys do the details. So what what did you think about last night? How did you feel about the game?
2: Yeah, first I think it was it was quite an impressive victory and it was, you know, one of the best game that we've seen uh, with OM for, for a long time, especially in the big picture. Um it was just exciting because the whole team gave everything, they, they work like, like dogs. Um, and I think what was interesting as well is Sampoli had the perfect plan. Uh, you know, basically, Monaco, they, they like to attack, take some risk, and, and when they do attack, they play with, with uh, three in defense. And the whole plan for us was to, once we get the ball back, to play very quickly. And go to the wings uh, with Bamba Dieng, which was a surprise, uh, surprise one of the in, in the in the lineup. And just with his speed behind the, the defensive line, it was um, it was just working perfectly. And not only scored two goals, but he could have scored at least another two, because uh, he hit the post twice. And uh, yeah, the the all effort from, from the team was amazing. We play a lot faster than what we we did. Uh, you know, the first two, three games of, of the year and, you know, against Saint-Étienne and Monaco, we play a lot faster. We try to go behind the defence and that's the kind of football that we like to see. Um, also, I think the balance of the team is, is really good now. As We did the same thing with Guendouzi on, on the left protecting Luan Perez. Also in defence, you had Kamara who was like a, as a number six. But once we, you know, our defence, start, uh, Monaco started to go up the pitch, he moved into central defense, which was really good because Monaco they attack with a line of five, so we could match uh, with our five defenders as well. So it was one on one for uh, for our defense, and uh, overall he was it was well controlled. And even at some point in the second half, um, we got the ball, we controlled the ball, and I thought it was like seeing Manchester City play the way we just control the time, control the tempo. You know, when you think that was without you know, arguably our two best players, um, I think it's pretty exciting for, for the rest of the season.
3: Yeah, that was, uh, that was beautifully put. Um, I, I couldn't agree more. I thought we showed not... Now we've showed... I think this is where Sampaoli is... is imp- I've been impressed by Sampaoli, is that we know the quality of players we've had in the past years. We know the quality of players we have this year. But what Sampoli's doing is is installing a a system that the players seem to understand and kind of are seem completely sold on it, um, which means that when you know Payet is out, when um, uh, Conrad isn't starting, or when you know our attacking players aren't all there, you know Jerson or whatever, it it, it seems that we've, we're playing the exact same football. I mean Harit coming in as a, as a false nine, I was terrified. I was convinced that was going to be one of our uh, downfalls. Was um, going to be trying to get a, a player who isn't Payet to do what Payet's been doing for the past four games. And in many ways, that's been what our, Marseille has been for the last few seasons. It's been asking players to do things that they can't do um, and, and asking the good players, technically good players, Tavon Payet, and all those guys, to basically do everything else, which ended up being quite catastrophic when when one of them would would get injured. Um, and I think it's it's important to remember what our team for the last two seasons has been like without Buba Kamara and Payet. When when neither of them were in the squad, I can't remember the exact stat, but we were losing something like eighty up, upwards of eighty uh, percent uh, of our games um now granted Buba was there and was essential but he didn't feel like the thing holding us together he was for the past two seasons defensively at least has been the player holding us together and kind of kicking keeping the 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 clock ticking and Payette was the attacking output a lot of the time when it wasn't Dovon at the beginning of the season so i was really really comforted to see that Actually, we've now become a, I mean, knock on wood, I'm going to say this and we're going to lose 3-0 next week, but knock on wood, we we now have a team with ideas that go beyond, you know, relying on the individual quality of our players. It feels like you could put many, many different players in in those positions. Bring in Luis Enrique, bring in, Dieng isn't a left winger, but look how, I mean, he fit right in. Um, and all the the young guys that we have, i'm I'm really, really excited.
1: Yeah, you can certainly conclude from last night that the you know that the sum is better than its parts, isn't it? Um, we, we learned that we're not we don't have to be so reliant on particular individuals. We've got such great quality across the squad, and we've got players that can adapt you know, we've got a really dynamic squad, we've got players that can adapt and play roles that we've never seen them play before, you know, um, it's really quite a, t- a testament to the the qualities of the coach, um, which, you know, sometimes you think he's barking mad, not just because he is actually nuts and, and, and we're watching him on the touchline, but like some of his ideas are just really quite eccentric, um, but clearly he's for the most part, he knows what he's doing, and he's seen something that I guess you know others just wouldn't have seen. Um, but anyway, so just like thinking about what we saw last night, do you do you guys think that um, the lineup um, that we've seen? So we've seen like players like Kamara back in the middle. It's just you know we've seen much for much of the season so far. He's been kind of pushed out to that sort of funny role on the right, um, and. Gay in the middle, you know, playing as the sort of defensive midfielder. So things like that, and um, Lerola coming back in, Payet being out. Are any, any of these changes are they likely to become permanent fixtures in this eleven? You know, Dieng, even for example, or is it just the case that this was the makeshift eleven that took advantage of its opportunity? But we still expect to see the usual faces after.
2: I think that the beauty of this squad and, and what Longoya has, has been able to do uh, this summer, w- without much money, but he still did something quite amazing, is that they, they really build a squad, not, not just a, a first eleven. And it's something that we had problem with in the past, as, as Louis said, is that before we, we had the you know two three stars who had to carry the team, and if they were not ready or not fit or not just available, um, the whole team would, would suffer quite a lot. Well, now it's completely different. Um, you have competition at every position. Um, just saw the video about objective match with the Rangier, and he said um, he didn't have his opportunity at the end of last season because he was injured. So he knew there would be so much competition uh, starting this season that he has to be in the best shape of his life. And that's the kind of mindset that a lot of these players have. And it's down to internal competition and also the, the culture of, of effort. Uh, that Sampaoli and, and Longoria brought to the squad. So I think there'd be a lot of changes, a, a lot of switching within the team and, you know, also the technical uh, tactical um, uh, skills of Sampaoli. So, you know, someone like Dieng would work perfectly against a Monaco who, uh, you know, like to attack, um, like to leave a lot of space behind, behind their line. So Jiang is just perfect for that kind of game. Now, if you play... Um, I, I, you know, a smaller club who comes and, and defend really low and maybe might not be the right player for that because he needs a lot of space. Um, so I, that, that's the beauty of this squad. We have a, a lot of options on the bench, um, great culture and um, you can feel the energy in the squad and that's why I'm, I'm quite confident with someone like Arid coming in. You can feel his motivation. Um, he comes from a, a club that was really stru- struggling and Coming to Marseille now, you, you feel in uni, he needs to to earn his spot. And even when him or Jean were a bit injured uh, in the middle of the game uh, yesterday, they just wanted to stay on the pitch, um, even if they were injured. Like they really want to keep their spot and and work hard for the team. So I think that that looks really promising.
3: Yeah, and if I could just add as well, I um. I think that with, with the culture that they've created, I, I said, I think the first time my first podcast here, I said that one of the things I was worried about was some stubbornness. I, I was seeing Kamara playing right wing back. And I just, I, I thought, wow, this is a man that will probably live and die by his ideas. And, and no matter what people say, but in a way, what's, what's happened with the suspensions and the injury and payette picking up a knock is actually exactly, I think, what needs to happen when you have a slightly stubborn manager, which is, you know, he was forced yesterday to make do with, with what he had. And in doing so, he saw that the, the team, the depth was incredible. And that'll allow us allow him to, instead of having to experiment with different teams, um, by choice, he was forced into it yesterday and and thus he might try more things during the season and and potentially be a bit less stubborn when it comes to some of his choices because he'll have some source material to to back his ideas up rather than just you know pure speculation and 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 yeah ideas
1: yeah i think he he is a coach that does that can and does change things. I think sometimes we make the mistake of thinking he's he's stubborn like Bielsa. Um, but I'm I, yeah. I think he's shown throughout his career that he's willing to try different things out. Um, in fact, he changes a lot. Um, and I think I don't know if it was something I'd read or if it was when Nico um, came on the show when we when we hired Sam Pauli. And yeah, there was this quote from Bielsa. Um, talking about sampa and i think he'd said that he sampa was better than him because he doesn't just stick to his ideas and um, sampali actually uh, looks at the the situation and, the, and changes the system he adapts and Bielsa was kind of acknowledging that he it can be quite sort of um one track minded so so yeah i think he's he's, he's got many sort of uh, tricks up his sleeve yeah so i guess just my thoughts are you know i was a fantastic game. I know Alex has heard me being a bit of a, a humbug about this and, and the UK WhatsApp group, but as great as it was, I don't want to get carried away. You know, I've seen a lot of people who are just very excited about what they saw last night, and to be fair, not just last night, The this entertaining game was very promising as well. But I do think that Monaco, they're, they're, they're a team in a state of depression. You know, They've lost five at the last six. This isn't the strong Monaco side that we saw at the end of last season, you know, like players like Ben Yedder looks fat and Volan's out of form. And yeah, they just don't look right at the moment. So I think they we were helped by the opposition. And as you said, Alex, as well, the way that Monaco played as well, really just sort kind of helped us get so much space in the counter attack. And which and, and was just partly why, um, or largely why Dieng was sort of running rampant at times. So yeah, I think that when, you know, when we'll really see, if this is what we are kind of building towards, um, and this is if this is going to be our form, um, we'll see that in the coming games. I think um, to see if we continue that kind of level of performance. Um, but certainly, the last two games have been really solid. Now, just to as we always do, do tops and flops. So we kind of each pick a player or two that. Um, that we think's done really well and, and one that's done really poorly, so uh, maybe I'll go first for the change, so I'll just say um, my well, I mean, top, obviously is Dieng, because he was fantastic wasn't he, he was just so lively, um, it really I, I hope this was like a sort of coming, in, coming of age moment, this was like a kind of breakout performance for him, I hope that now we're going to see him as this sort of quality real you know first team player um, that um, I guess we hoped but we weren't so sure that he, he might have the potential to become um, so yeah he was he was fantastic he was sort of the main man he was the star of the show he was getting so much space on the left we thought he was going to be in, in the middle but he was actually playing on the left and um, yeah I, 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 I could be a little bit critical and say that maybe um, he needs to work on his finishing I think his Shooting technique is very good, but I think his accuracy is a bit off. I think that, you know, when you're getting that many chances, you need to score. Yeah, and you know, I know he scored two goals, so it's, it's hard. I'm being a bit harsh, but yeah, I just think that something we could, have, we could have put away. Um, yeah, you know, he's a raw talent and we, we've seen that from before with him, so we know that he's, that he's very much still a work in progress and he's new to European football. But yeah, so he's my top. Um, but I think... Uh, was there anyone else I mean, everyone was really good. There was one or two players maybe that weren't so good, but no one was bad. I think everyone had a really, for the most part, a good game. It was a good collective performance, and it was really good to see, even defensively, for once, like, you you know, we weren't making all these terrible, like, uh, what you call it, like, uh, gaff, kind of, you know, those kind of... Um, TV programmes where they make clips of people making well, terrible we mistakes. Well, all the time. Yeah, but nothing like normal, I didn't think. But uh, yeah, I don't know. For once, it didn't feel like oh. it was... Yeah, well, maybe... OK, well, you can say you're better um, if, you, if you feel when you get to the flops, but I didn't feel like we were as unstable as we, as we normally are. Um, I thought, like, for example, Belardi was actually decent. He didn't do... Um, he didn't score an own goal or anything, or um get a sent off, which uh, uh uh give away a penalty or anything like that for once. So yeah, it was it was really sorted out. If I was gonna be critical of anyone and say a flop, I thought the goalkeeper didn't have a lot to do, but there was, you know, one or two little shaky moments with him and I'd say maybe this might may be a bit harsh, but it wasn't Under's greatest game. He was a bit quieter than, than he's been throughout the season, but I, I, I'm not, he didn't have a bad game, but I'd say it wasn't his strongest performance, and um yeah, maybe he's tired, I don't know, um, but yeah, I guess my flop would, yeah, would probably be Lopez and, and Nunder, but calling my flop is harsh.
2: Yeah, first I just would like to add something on Bob Adjang which, uh, you know, we discussed a bit before, and, um, it, it's true that he has a bit of a special technique so the guy is obviously extremely good um everything related to counter attack and just going to the goal behind the defense he can control the ball very well in this kind of position but now it's true that when it's that, that, that when it's a bit slower it's in the build-up and you have to control and pass and you know make the game develop it's not his strong skill. so uh, he, he, he has a one set of skill, that he's, I think he has a huge potential. Um, but I think he, he still has to develop a lot on, on other areas. Um, now, in terms of other um, great players, I think we have to say something about And I know we mentioned it a little bit at the start of the podcast. Um, the guy just came in and, and replaced Payet, which was our, our, our best player uh, for the start of the season. And it's like nothing changed. Um, he did some amazing control, some amazing through balls. Um, actually, one of the balls, it, it was an amazing pass. He did pretty much half of the pitch. And that's one of the, 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 the chance that Dieng hit the post with. Um, then another one, obviously, on the second goal. Um, he brought a lot of, uh, of fault uh, f- from Monaco. Um, it was just amazing. And at the second half of the game, when when we wanted to control the tempo, Arif was also really good, just, you know, finding pocket space, um, getting Monaco to, to, to make a mistake and just controlling the tempo. So I was, I was really impressed. Um, and, and on the flop, and, and I have no problem to, to talk about flop on this one, is actually Ballardy because I actually love that player. I think he has a huge potential. He's fast, he's strong. I think he seems like a hardworking, intelligent guy. He's got a lot of skills with the ball. He just passes the ball really well, so I really love him. But he still has a couple of couple of moments a game where he could cost us the game, and, and that happened yesterday as well. There was a couple of times where he kind of passed the ball, uh, you know, within the box to a Monaco player in the first half, and in the second half, he I think he controlled the ball uh, not well and got passed, and almost got sent off uh, sent off for that. It could, could have cost us dearly as well. So. I love the bloke and look, he, he actually didn't play much professional football as a defender. He played as a six at Boca for six months and then he didn't play for uh, Dortmund and then he just came with us and started to play in central defence. So actually, in terms of experience, it, it, it's not much at all. So I think he's going he's gonna to grow into the role. He's got all the skills, but he still makes these mistakes, which in big games could It'd be a bit costly so hopefully learn uh, uh, very fast
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you said that actually because I, I i despite me being quite harsh on him there like, i've always said in this podcast is for the last year i, I also think he has got there's there's a gem in there and i think he does have the potential to be a, a top player so um so yeah i'm not i'm, I'm not one of the, the haters of him so yeah i do i agree with everything you're saying about him um anyway uh luis what, what about you uh, tops and flops
3: from, from the guys that we haven't said yet, uh, Rongier, I mean, he is, he's going far and beyond any expectation I ever had of him. When we signed all those midfielders, I thought Rongier is going to be the, the loser out of all of them. Um, he's adapting into this right back central midfield ball progressing, almost scoring, almost messy esque scoring, um, <laughs> that, that, that almost chip, um, I, I, who is this guy? I mean, this is definitely not the the player that we signed um, and who's been with us for the, I've never been a Rangier hater. I think he had tough moments. Um, I've always really liked his hardworking. You know, he, he's he's hardworking. He he runs with a bit of a he bounces around, which I really like. He has this kind of energy that I've always really liked about him. He's not the best finisher, far from it, but he reminds me a bit despite not having the dribbling ability, uh, a bit of, of Kovacic at Chelsea. He kind of bounces around and he's passing it around and, and, then, and then can't shoot, which is also what, what links him to, to Kovacic. Um, I thought, yeah, I, th- I just think he's he's, being, he's adapting in a, in a way that I really, really didn't expect. And then I'd say second top is, is Gendouzi uh, pressing at the 93rd minute what what is there not to like about him i mean as a as an arsenal fan as well i it's 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 also you know kind of breaking my heart that that he's he's left and that he's this is this is who he's always been as a player but the marseille fan in me which is the largely predominant side of me is thrilled that we we robbed him from arsenal for what is essentially going to turn out to be a i think less than 10 million euro transfer um I, I still can't believe it. I really still can't believe that we got him for that cheap. He's unbelievable. And my flops now, again, Paulo Lopez didn't have to do anything, but I do not like the look of him. And I it sounds terrible because <laughs> he's not. Like, I agree.
2: This is, I agree. You know, <laughs> this, is,
3: this is the kind of non-analysis that I tried to flee from. But, Sometimes you just got to look at the guy and go, do I think he looks like a good goalkeeper? And to be honest, he doesn't. He just looks shaky. He dropped the ball. I don't know if the UK, if the cameras caught it, but he, one of the only times that the ball came in his general vicinity, he just kind of dropped it. But in the way that, you know, the, the kid at school that you put in goal – who doesn't really play football, but you you just put him there because you need a goalkeeper and he kind of drops the ball and you go, Ooh, and you start, you you just get a bit scared. He reminds me of that kid. Now, hopefully he is better and his, and his passing game, which is what he was sold to us as, as a good passer. Hopefully it gets better and better, but I, I don't understand this signing at all. Um, to call him a flop in last night's game would be harsh because he didn't actually do anything. Um. So for flops, I'd say I'd say under maybe. Um, again, I think he's tired. I think he played all the games for Turkey. He was kind of one of their only really good players during their international break. So I won't I won't call him a flop flop. Um, but yeah, that's 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 what I think.
1: Um. Okay. So takeaways very quickly. What's your one takeaway thought from last night's game? for me it's
2: just you know the fun is back um after so many years of looking at marseille and being disappointed or bored or you know if we're winning even when we we reached uh, the you know the championship spot with uh, avb it wasn't all fun it was mostly based on on pressing and effort more than exciting football and now L- look at us! Like every game, we we scoring goals and you know even conceding, but it, it makes most the all game fun usually. And um, I, I think what is great with Sampaoli is that you might change the team, you might change the the lineup and the formation, but the idea to attack, to attack with width, to attack with depth, um, to be technical, to be aggressive. That's just who we are as a club, or, or, or who we should have always been. And I'm just so excited and so looking forward to to the next game. And and you know, didn't always have that that feeling, especially last year. So uh, j- just excited. I think that would be the fair summary to to where I am just now.
3: Yeah, my my takeaway is I have two small takeaways. One of them is that I fear and worry and st- and, when, and will stay up at night over. Sampoli's health, both mental and physical health. I don't understand how this man is going to survive this season at this kind of high intensity. Um, but so that's one of my takeaways: is when I see, when I watch Marseille and I watch him on the on the sideline, I think, "Wow, is is Sampoli going to make it through the season?" Second takeaway is that I think we're going to qualify for Champions League. I'm not being a, I'm being well, I'm being a a, a silly, um, overly emotional getting carried away, Marseille fan, but I think that there's there's we've we with the squad and the depth and the, the type of play, we there's we could either crash out like Marseille's Bielsa's Marseille did five years ago. We can either crash out midway through the season or we're gonna qualify Champions League. That's my that's my prediction.
1: I, I really am not sure that football is good for Sam It doesn't look like it's good for his health at all you imagine what his home life must be like? Um, yeah, so from for my takeaway, it's a hard one, because every time we do this, I always say, oh, I, I feel like it's coming together. Um, so I'm not going to say that this time. Uh, I'll just say that I think from some of the individual performances last night, I think that maybe I might have underestimated some of the decisions or... or, or yeah, maybe underestimated, undervalued, I, I maybe didn't appreciate some of the um, decisions and the Mercato from Longoria, so maybe they're proving me wrong, so things like not bringing in a striker after letting Benedetto go, Maybe, maybe I, I'm thinking from what I've seen last night, maybe they actually know what they're doing, um, so yeah, so trust the process, I guess, is, is my is my takeaway. Yeah. Um, Okay, so finally, one more thing to discuss before we finish up, and it's the Europa League. So we got a draw, um, we've been drawn against Lokomotiv Moscow, Lazio and Galatasaray. So some pretty interesting fixtures there, and certainly from a fan point of view, if we, these are all clubs that are got pretty um, fervent supporters, uh, and I... Uh, I don't know if there's going to be um, support of travel permitted or not, but I I think it's going to be pretty interesting, um, some of the away fixtures. Anyway, on a a sporting level, it's a pretty tough group, actually. Um, But having said that, I think that despite the fact that the Europa League is maybe not the most highly regarded tournament these days, I think it gets a bit of a bad rep. I personally think it's pretty shit. But I was looking at all the all the groups and I thought, do you know what? None, not many of these groups are actually that easy. So there is a lot of good teams uh, in the tournament. Um, we got a difficult group in my view. But do you think it's one that we can qualify from? I mean, I'll just say from my opinion, I think I don't, I'm not sure. If we play like we play in the league, then yes. I'm I'm not sure. With, with Marseille, sometimes it's kind of hit and miss, isn't it? Sometimes we do really badly in Europe, but we're all right in the league and vice versa. Um so I, I I'm not really sure. I think we'll know from the first performance from Thursday's game. Um, but on paper, I'm a bit worried. Um, I think Lazio, are, 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 you know, are a very good team in recent years. But I know that the has gone, but they've got Sari now, so uh, that should be pretty interesting. Um, and I think places going to Turkey, uh, going to, to going to Istanbul and Moscow are going to be tough away games. So I think that we're going to have to be really really solid at home so I, for me personally I, I'm, not, I'm not 100% convinced we'll, we'll qualify but I think we can do it, what about you? Yeah,
2: yeah. First for me I think uh, key point is that first game um, we're going to play in Russia while it's uh, you know, uh, still in September um, and, and, and I think if we win there away um, I don't think a lot of other teams will be, will be able to win. It's going to be um, you know, colder uh, you know, later uh, this year for them. Um, so if we win in Russia that first game, we'll have such a huge advantage against them and, and also, I think, against the other team. Then you just have to win you know, pretty much two of the other three games at home and you should be fine. Um, I think Lazio should be better than us. Uh, but if we win in Moscow and that we'll be able to beat, I think, Moscow and Galatasaray at home, um, I think we'll be fine. And, and because of the, the internal competition and, and the culture that we have in, in the team, like Sampa will want to win every game. And, and the player who will have the chance to play will have to give 100%. Like, it's not the OM of old where, as we say, you the eleven player and they knew they would play every game. And they, sometimes they didn't really put the effort in, in the Europa League. I think this year is different. I think the the, the 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 mindset in the team is different, and I expect us to go through that group, especially if we if we manage to get some point in that first game.
3: Yeah, I don't want to get carried away here, and I definitely will, um, and I'll regret saying this in a month. But often when we've qualified for European Championship uh, in the last few years, bar that season that we made it to the uh, final of the Europa League. It felt like in a way we were kind of getting away with murder in Ligue 1 with our style of play and that we were kind of we were we were figuring it out, figuring it out um, little by little. But it just felt like we weren't really convincingly um, winning when we were winning. And those those that feeling of getting away with murder, all of a sudden we were just it felt like we were getting exposed on Thursday nights or uh In the case of last year on on Tuesday and, and Wednesday nights in the Champions League, it felt like it was it was bound to happen. I don't know if this is just with with hindsight, but it felt like when you look at the results of the games, you go, "Well, of course we lost." You know, with the style of football that we play, it felt like obvious. Whereas with this kind of football, I think, and this is me getting away with uh, getting getting way ahead of myself here, but I think I think this kind of football. Um, Will be threatening to most teams uh, in Europe at, at obviously Europa League level, and I think um, Stefan, I agree with you. I've always kind of frowned upon the Europa League. I thought I always thought it was a bit of a joke of a competition. But with the Conference League coming in, um, they they obviously they shortened they they reduced the number of teams in the Europa League, and so as you said, you look at those groups. I mean, a lot of them have some some good football teams playing. Um, And it's, and it's not the case that you used to have, you know, two decent teams and then a team from Belarus and a team from Moldova. Uh, and now it's, I mean, the real, real, real clubs, um, not that the Moldovan clubs aren't real, but they're real, real teams and our group obviously is one of the harder ones, but it's, it's, I think it's, um, uh, Competition-wise, I think the Europa League isn't what it is what it used to be. And finally, I'd say I, I had a quick look um, before the podcast at, at what Lokomotiv Moscow look like, and I only recognize three or four players. But I will say they do look like they have some speed. A um, uh, Kirk, who's a who's a Dutch guy that I used to play, I think, for Feyenoord or Alkmaar or one of those clubs that isn't um, Ajax. Um, and he's he's speedy. He's a speedy boy. So we'll have to we'll have to watch out for that, um, especially when we get caught in behind. Um, they they have Camano, former former Bordeaux player, um, who also very speedy and a and a really really decent attacking footballer. And then finally, the third name I I, I recognized was um, Bika Bika, who is the uh, central midfielder, young central midfielder who was playing for France in the uh, in the Olympics who was one of the shining you know, stars, if we can call him that, in that catastrophic um, French Olympic run. Um, I think he used to play for Caen. I didn't actually see that he'd... I, I completely missed that he'd gone to Lokomotiv, but he's an interesting player. He's a really dynamic player. So I think they've definitely... We shouldn't underestimate their quality, and we shouldn't underestimate what a, a trip to Moscow does to, to the you know mental health and, and and physical health of uh of our players so I'm, I'm i'm expecting a win um not a not a big one uh and potentially not the prettiest one i think it might be a bit of a gritty a gritty one
1: yeah well um in terms of predictions it's um it's my uh it's my birthday on thursday so i hope i'm hoping i'm gonna get a, a nice victory so i'm gonna see 2-1 um yeah and um, i don't know if you guys give scores. um can you give a score for thursday
2: i'll take a 2-1 as well
1: i'm gonna i'm I, my
3: objective the objective fan in me or i guess the objective uh, person in me will say 2-2 a draw but the marseille fan in me is saying 3-1
1: Okay, that's brilliant. So we we get we we get two Louises on this pod. That's uh, that's that's uh, two for the price of one. Um, right. So I think with that we'll probably just finish off. So we've, we've kind of covered everything. Just over the just over an hour or so. Not as uh, long as I'd feared. Yeah. So if if anyone's listening, actually, just to give a shout out to Ben. Actually, he's been busy doing some other stuff for us. So he uh, 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 if anyone has a chance to check out. Um, he's been on our Arsenal podcast, Gunna Talk TV, and um, talking about William Saliba, and he's going to be doing that every month, like, we think, uh, kind of, sort of, yeah, podcast session with them, just giving, kind of, analysis on how Saliba's performing, um, you can see that on YouTube, and, um, yeah, and speaking to them as well, like, we just, like, did, did, not, did um, for an article recently, um, I mean, it was a little football, London. So yeah, again about Saliba. So yeah, good stuff. Yeah, and hopefully more things like that in the future. So yeah, with that, uh, I think we better finish. Yeah. So um thanks everyone for taking part, guys. That was great, and thank you all for listening. And
3: thank you so much, Stefan.
1: Thank you. And don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you're listening to us because it helps people find out about the podcast that's what they all say isn't it in these things I don't know if it makes any difference but anyway <laughs> thank you and good night.